Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. 2 Thessalonians 2 describes a major sign of Jesus Christ's second coming. Notice 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So, before the day of Christ's return, there would be a massive falling away, a gigantic rebellion in God's own church in this end time. And this rebellion would expose the man of sin, the son of destruction. There's a rebellious church. There's an evil man leading the rebellion. And all of this is exposed in this end time, not long before Jesus Christ returns. My personal copy of Raising the Ruins, written by Mr. Stephen Flurry, has a personalized message from the author. Uh, a few years ago, he wrote to me, to Grant, may you make this history your own. Much love, Stephen Flurry. This is our history. This is the hi history of the Philadelphia Church of God, the history of God's work today. This work involves a massive betrayal by God's own people and how God got things back on track, how God raised the ruins caused by the son of destruction in Second Thessalonians 2. Now, this story really is stranger than any fiction it is shocking it's almost like too unbelievable to be true but it all really did happen and we'll just get into a little bit of this background just to see exactly what this church rebellion destroyed the late worldwide church of god founder herbert w armstrong died on January 16th, 1986, but not before he became probably the most influential American theologian of all time. His reach was extensive. The Worldwide Church of God, under his leadership, had 725 congregations in 57 countries, a weekly attendance at Sabbath services of 120,000 people, 210,000 people who were not members regularly donated money to the church. The church consisted of more than 1,200 ministers around the world. 
the revenue of the WCG each year exceeded such evangelistic titans as Jerry Falwell and Billy Graham. Everyone has heard some of these big names. And yet the work God did through Mr. Armstrong was way bigger. Bigger than Jimmy Swaggart, Oral Roberts. There's actually a college, I believe it's in Tulsa, here in the state of Oklahoma, called Oral Roberts. But Mr. Armstrong's work was far bigger than all of these well-known televangelists. His magazine, The Plain Truth, peaked at a circulation of 8.4 million people. Bigger than Time Magazine's circulation. And even in terms of however many households got the magazine, it was one in every 27 people reading the plain truth in Canada. One in 48 in the United States. One out of 583 worldwide. The plain truth, a magazine of understanding that shows God's involvement in world events, fulfilling Bible prophecy, and people by the millions wanted to understand. The Good News Magazine, a Christian living magazine produced by the WCG, had a circulation of 828,000. The stats go on and on, but really just a massive work. Mystery of the Ages, which Mr. Armstrong didn't write until 1985, was requested by 740,000 people in just four months from September to December 1985. You could really just judge by the fruits and see something special was happening in the worldwide church of God while Mr. Armstrong was alive. This is not to glorify Herbert W. Armstrong, but we are supposed to judge by the fruits. That is how we can know where God is working. It's really about the God behind the man, behind the work. And this work was huge. But Mr. Armstrong died in 1986, and things quickly turned. Membership plummeted under Mr. Armstrong's successors. The World Tomorrow television program disappeared. Ambassador College closed. All of the valuable assets of the church were sold off. Mystery of the Ages was discontinued barely two years after it first was released, even though well over a million copies had already been distributed. There was clearly high demand for that book, yet Mr. Armstrong's rebellious successors got rid of it. Notice page four of Raising the Ruins by Mr. Stephen Fleury. All the unique doctrines of the worldwide church of God have been changed 
All of Mr. Armstrong's literature has been retired. All the operations he established have been either drastically downsized or phased out altogether. Most ministers and members have either fled or been excommunicated for resisting change. The Worldwide Church of God is no longer even called the Worldwide Church of God. It's Grace Communion International. Joseph Takats Jr., Mike Fazell, and other corrupt leaders involved in this total transformation of the church have openly bragged about dismantling the Worldwide Church of God, tearing it apart plank by plank, they wrote books about what they did, which basically in any other non-church setting would be a crime. It would be considered hoarding the contributions of your donors and contributors and not doing what they wanted you to do with that money. Making big promises acquiring those donations and then going back on those promises and failing to do anything of any value with the money they received. There is no work at all being done by the former worldwide church of God and those rebellious men. It's stealing on a mass scale. They made tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars by selling off everything that Mr. Armstrong ever did. People gave to that church with great excitement because they knew that money was being put to good use to deliver a message to the world, to bring hope to the world, to give to the world free of charge through TV, radio, publications, literature, correspondence courses that, that teach about the Bible, camps, festivals, and the WCG tore it all down. And they talked about how great it was that they tore it all down. Page four again of Raising the Ruins. They have sold off nearly everything that had any monetary value. Summer campsites, fall festival sites, furniture, fine art, business equipment, books, everything. They even auctioned off personal gifts that world leaders had given to Mr. Armstrong. In 2000, they sold the Big Sandy Campus for $8.5 million. In 2004, they offloaded the fire sale's biggest prize, their headquarters property in Pasadena, including the world-renowned Ambassador Auditorium. So that's the exact opposite of what all their contributors wanted them to do. They didn't want the Worldwide Church of God to become just like any other mainstream church and to tear down the entire work that God built through Mr. Armstrong. They didn't want the work to turn inward and become non-existent. And yet the WCG leaders after Mr. Armstrong kept on receiving all these millions of dollars in donations, 
pretending like they were going to follow in Mr. Armstrong's footsteps and then doing the opposite. That is fraud. That is criminal. That is a great falling away that reveals the man of sin. Now, in the preface of Raising the Ruins, or in the foreword, Mr. Stephen Fleury writes about why all of this needs to be exposed. Page 12 of the foreword says, these rebellious leaders presided over the worst spiritual shipwreck since the first century church splintered on the rocks of apostasy. The worst crisis in God's church in almost 2,000 years. That's what we have just witnessed in this end time. Here it says, again on page 12 of the foreword, the same leadership that cut down Mr. Armstrong came gunning for this resurrected work, promising to bury the facts again. This rebellious church fought against God's one true church, the Philadelphia Church of God, in court for six years, trying to bury the truth. All the writings of Mr. Armstrong. It's not, it wasn't enough for them just to betray Mr. Armstrong after he died and discard all of the doctrines that he taught. But they also had to eliminate all of his writings. So even people who did still believe those doctrines wouldn't be able to access those writings. They didn't want the writings, and they also didn't want anyone else to have those writings. That's not normal. Normally, if someone has something and no longer wants it, he'll be fine giving it away to someone else who would value it, who does want it. He doesn't try to throw it away when someone else asks him if he can have that possession. He says, oh, sure, I don't want it anymore. You can have it. If you can make some use of it, great. But when it comes to the WCG and Mr. Armstrong's writings, they had these writings. They didn't want them. They had no use for them anymore. They had totally different beliefs because they rebelled against God. And yet they didn't want anyone else to have those writings either. They wanted to throw them away so no one else could benefit from them. Here's page 13 of the foreword. Relying on a wealth of official WCG documents and depositions submitted in federal courts, this book, Raising the Ruins, reveals the truth behind the shipwreck of the worldwide church of God. WCG officials pleaded in court for many of these documents to be kept confidential and ultimately destroyed after the litigation ended. 
And finally, after years of obscuring their actions, denying their motivations and covering their tracks, that, that, as it turns out, was their final desperate attempt to bury the facts about how they went about transforming the church. In this book, we exhume those facts and expose them to the furious light of day as they should have been all along for your scrutiny. So we will be getting into Raising the Ruins some more on this show in the coming weeks. Perhaps not every single week. We'll, we'll mix in some other topics as well. But this is our history. This is history that we must make our own. And this is a work of light. By shining a bright light, we can expose what really happened in the WCG after Mr. Armstrong died. We can get to the truth. Only people who hate the truth and are trying to get away with something evil hide from the light. John 1, verses 7 through 9. This is talking about the light, which is... God and Christ. And then verse nine says that was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. So Jesus Christ came into the world. He was a witness of the light. He was light. He declared his father who is light. But verse 10 says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. This is a world of darkness. This is a world where criminals like Joseph Takach Jr. can get away with brazen fraud. We see it in God's church. We see it. In the nation, we see it in the two-tiered system of justice that seems so prevalent today. Justice for some, no justice for others. Light exposes all of the evil that is going on. God is light. Christ is light. We should embrace the light. First John 1 verse 5 says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Like Mr. Stephen Fleury wrote, Raising the Ruins shines a light on what really happened in the worldwide church of God. And we ought to be eager to find out the truth. Notice this disturbing passage in Ezekiel chapter 8. This is a passage extremely relevant to God's church in this end time. It speaks about the church rebellion. It speaks about what really went wrong inside that church. And the description of it is pretty vivid. Ezekiel 8, starting in verse 6. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, see you what they do? 
even the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here, that I should go far off from my sanctuary, but turn you yet again, and you shall see greater abominations. God is saying, even the first wave of evil caused him to flee the worldwide church of God. And yet, there's much more evil to be exposed. The deeper we look, the more evil we will see. Verse 7, And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had dug in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. In his book, Ezekiel, the end time prophet, Mr. Gerald Flurry writes at length about Ezekiel chapter eight, and he does prove that it does apply to God's church today. He says we must look at these verses spiritually. Here on page 88 of his Ezekiel book, he writes, Let's not be naive. One third of the angels became demons. Where are they today? If you take a close look, you will see all kinds of creeping demons and abominable beasts right inside God's church. You can see that only if you look at it spiritually. God must reveal this to you. This is the horrifying spiritual picture of God's Laodicean church today. It is filled with creeping things, abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel. It is a demon fest. Now that's possibly some of the strongest language ever written in God's church. But it's absolutely true. These traitors inside God's own church write books about how righteous they are, how they did the right thing to simply destroy everything about that church. They did nothing. They created and built nothing. And yet they're writing books to praise themselves for what they did. That is demonic destruction. That's the way the devil thinks. He doesn't build either. He just tears down. Mr. Flurry explains some more of this passage here in Ezekiel 8. And he says, idols sever you from God. And that's referring to Ezekiel 8 and verse 10. The word for idols has to do with the word sever. So when it's talking about all these idols in the temple, Mr. Flurry comments, and he's talking about how idols sever us from God. They separate us from God. There's so many idols in God's church today, the rebellious church, that is. Now, Mr. Flurry writes, this is what God is telling them. You have severed yourself from me. You are following Satan 
and his demons. This is an ugly picture. This was God's church. You have to view what has happened there the way God does. That's why 30 plus years later, we still talk about that church rebellion. We still talk about the court case victory almost 20 years ago. And we'll continue talking about it forever because the devil must be exposed. His evils must be exposed. That's why we shine a glorious, brilliant light on what really happened. And there's really so many lessons we can take away from this history. This is our history, raising the ruins of that fallen work is our history. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.